are listening to Two for Tea. I'm your host, Iona Italia. And I'm her frequent co-host, Helen Pluckrose. This is a podcast about politics, society, science and art. And about how everyone is wrong apart from us. This podcast is brought to you in association with ARIO magazine, a digital forum for calm, reasonable voices from across the political spectrum. The podcast is entirely listener-supported. To become a patron and gain access to patron-only broadcasts and other perks, support us on Patreon at 2 for Tea. Welcome to The Conversation. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Iona Italia, and I'm coming to you from Buenos Aires. And my guest this week is Joe Yang. Joe is a tango teacher based in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And in addition to normal dance teaching, he is also a certified movement coach, and he works with people with movement disorders and with Parkinson's disease and uses tango as a therapy with them, which we'll talk about later. And Joe is also a cartoonist, a graphic novelist, and a writer of children's books. Welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Good to be here. So before we begin, I just want to explain that this podcast is going to be a little different from usual uh, because I'm going to be talking about Argentine tango and I am going to be talking quite a lot about my own book and my own writings on tango because I have just uh, published um, the first volume of what is going to be a two-volume book and it is about the culture of Argentine tango. And it's designed for both dancers and non-dancers. It's called Our Tango World. I'll be linking down below in the show notes. And it's not not an instructional dance manual. It's more of an exploration of the sociology, the culture, the psychology, and an attempt to capture and describe the experience of how it feels to live as a professional uh, dancer. And um, so this is quite unusual content, and I know uh, many of my listeners come to this podcast primarily for political and um, social commentary. So if this isn't your cup of tea or you feel it's very narcissistic that I'm going to be talking about my own writing here, then don't be a hater, just skip. And uh, Mm -hmm. last week's podcast, um, which will be out by the time you are listening to this, um, was with comedian and um, addiction counsellor and writer Bridget Fettesy. And our next week's podcast, Helen Pluckrose will be co-hosting and we'll be interviewing Nick Christakis about his new book, Blueprint. So we will return to normal programming next week. But quite a lot of people have asked me about my tango book and my tango writing about Argentine tango in general, so I thought it would be fun to talk about it for a change of pace. And I've invited Joe along to to help me out. All right. So Joe, I think a good place to start would be the misconceptions that people have about tango who Mm -hmm. have not seen the way that it's done socially, especially here in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so whenever we mention Argentine tangos, and you probably would know this too as teachers and when you approach somebody who's interested in dancing but not knowing exactly what tango is, they often think of this exaggerated, uh, exotic uh, activity that involves uh, a rose between one's teeth and 
ex- crazy outfits and things like that. But yeah, that that is uh, not what Argentine tango uh, really is. It's something I would say a little more deeper than that. It's more than it's more than a dance. It is. Uh, not to sound too dramatic, but it is in a way, a, a way of understanding <laughs> life, a way of having a conversation with somebody in a very um, you know, intimate yet also kind of a social conversational way. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to put in, into words. It's something that you really have to experience. Yes, I mean, I think that's true. And we will get into some of the ways in which mm-hmm. I feel that, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the book was I feel that we can, um, through dance, you can learn a lot about psychology, about relationships, about yeah. life, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I feel that they are mutually illuminating. And you don't have to be a dancer to get those kinds of insights. Right. You can um, you can empathize mm-hmm. um, with what is happening once you understand what is happening. Um, but I think, first of all, there are several different things that people... Um, all put under the rubric of tango, and it's a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to start there. One thing is there is um, what I'll call ballroom Mm -hmm. tango. Um, And it's within ballroom dancing. It's one of the 10 dances in ballroom dancing, and it's one of the Latin dances is called tango. And ballroom dancing is absolutely nothing like Argentine (laughs) tango. And I... By that, I don't mean that it's subtly different. <laughs> um, you know, I don't mean it's a little bit different. And if you're a connoisseur, you mm-hmm. can tell you can you can tell the difference. I mean, everything about it is different. The music is different. The music that they dance to, we cannot mm-hmm. dance to. It doesn't fit with a Argentine dance. It has this slow, slow, quick, quick, slow mm-hmm. rhythm. Dumb. Da-dum, dum, dum, da-dum. And uh, which actually is not part of the Argentine tango music at all. Um, And it's also, it's danced, it's it's a very, very formal dance, dance in competition. It has a set sort of step pattern, which we also don't have in tango. Yeah, because there's actually a a, a centralized authority that determines what the figures are for, let's say, American tango or international tango and those families. And yeah, like you said, Iona, this is designed primarily for competitions, for showcases, and there are very, uh, I guess, specifically designed uh, levels that you dance. And when you're in competition, you can, if you're at a certain level, you can only dance the steps that are recognized by that central authority for that level. Yeah. Right. Oh, we don't have nope. anything like that in Argentine tango. So it's Argentine tango. There's not very much competition. It's mostly mm-hmm. a social dance. And it also, um, it looks very different, um, uh, Usually in ballroom tango, people are wearing very glitzy mm-hmm. costumes and they wear these long skirts. The women wear these long skirts with feathers <laughs> on the bottom. And I think one thing that you will see instantly is the difference in the way mm-hmm. they hold each other. So in ballroom tango, they are leaning back a long way from the waist, holding the head back and smiling with these kind of painted on smiles. Um, and we'll talk about our tango embrace mm-hmm. later, but it's yeah, completely different. different. So that's 
that's Ballroom Tango. And I will put a link to Ballroom Tango in the show notes so that mm-hmm. you can compare. But it really, the difference is not subtle. It's like, I don't know how to dance Ballroom Tango. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I cannot dance any. it. And I cannot dance with someone who is trained no. in Ballroom Tango. Um, and not because I'm being awkward, but just it's a completely right. different dance. And and I think most people who do tango, tango <laughs> really hate it. I'm so sorry right. if anyone is listening mm-hmm. who dances for it. Um, and um, then the other thing that people have, some people have seen is stage mm-hmm. tango. So stage tango is something quite authentically Argentine. And it has grown out of social tango, but it's a very, very dramatic form mm-hmm. of social tango. Um, so it's, there are a lot of influences from ballet in particular, and you will see people doing very acrobatic moves, um, many lifts and, um, jumps and, um, the women will be doing, will be doing really high kicks, um, and, um, usually in a choreography, and that tango is specifically Mm -hmm. meant for a stage show. And the typical way to watch that is at a dinner show. So you can go to a restaurant, have dinner. This is quite popular here in Buenos Aires, and you can watch the show on stage. Um, And so that is a choreographed and very, very ultra-dramatic, ultra-theatrical, balletic style of tango. And then what most people understand by Argentine tango and what most people dance and what people dance socially is an improvised form of the dance. And it's danced mostly Mm -hmm. in a close embrace, i.e. the two dancers are holding each other. And we will, I'm sure, talk more about the embrace Mm -hmm. because it's one of the most distinctive things about the dance. But they're holding each other in this very close and tender Mm -hmm. hug. It's very yes. close to a real-life hug. Mm-hmm. It's very intimate looking and, and doing relatively simple movements, relatively simple. Social tango is not that showy, right. and it's completely improvised. So that is the kind of tango we're talking about. And I will put some links down below of some professional couples. And there's also a performance that um, I did, which I'll, I'll link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll link to one that Joe did as well. Yeah. <laughs> see how shy you're feeling or bold you're feeling lately. Right, or bold. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm a, um, I have been uh, dancing tango professionally for a few years now. So I'm, I'm perfectly, mm-hmm. I have no shyness. All right. And uh, yes, yeah, so I think that is the first thing to know that the kind of cliche mm-hmm. that you may have seen of women in pencil skirts slit right up to the clitoris with, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the low slit ones with, you know, um, mm-hmm. fishnet tights and doing mm-hmm. the splits um, and people with angry looking facial, ex- dramatic looking facial expressions and mm-hmm. Uh, men wearing fedoras and things Mm -hmm. that is that's not very typical of the kind of tango that is danced in argentina um and the kind that is done socially that people that has become very very popular worldwide it's really the way to think about argentine tango is that it is um 
The Argentines call it our folklore ciudadano. So it's a city, an urban folk dance. It's the mm -hmm. folk dance of the city of Buenos Aires. So it is, you don't have to be a ballet dancer to dance it. You don't have to be an acrobat. It's a popular dance. Mm -hmm. It is a, more difficult than most other partner dances. It's quite a steep learning curve. But it's not, mm. it's not a dance for dancer dancers. You know, right. Anybody, right. Can, anybody can learn at any age or body type or whatever. Mm. So, so <laughs> that's where I, I want to start. Um, mm -hmm. So, Joe, tell, tell me a little bit about how you got into tango and what attracted you at the beginning when you began dancing. Yeah, this is a funny, funny story that begins when I was around, uh, I think, six or seven years old. This was in the 80s. And uh, I was at a recital. My brother is a violinist. I'm a pianist, but I wasn't performing at the recital. So there are all these young people giving this at this recital. I'm sitting there bored out of my mind. And there's music, there's dancing, there's like a little ballet presentation as well. And uh, a family friend of ours, her daughter was a ballet dancer. And um, at the end of this recital, I was just really wanting to go home with my mom, of course, being very chatty, went to talk to all of her friends and we had to wait for my brother. He's also quite chatty. So uh, we meet with uh, the mother of, my, of the ballet student and she, her mother is just talking to my mom. And then she says to me, oh, Joe, would you like to uh, learn ballet? Because boys do ballet as well. And I, I immediately said no, because my impression of dancing <laughs> up until that point at age six was just putting on tight outfits and prancing about. And that just wasn't something I wanted to do. And I was just deathly afraid my parents would make me take ballet lessons. So I was at home one day. My parents were watching television and I was drawing. Uh, and uh, in on the in the family room, and I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. And I look up, and there's tango dancing going on. There's like a like a few minutes of tango dancing, some news report about tango dancing, and I it was immediately captivated by what I saw because this was not a um, you know these were not people in tight clothes prancing about. It was this woman in this, um, you know, wonderful dress. And it was this very masculine looking man in a suit and they were dancing together. And it was this very passionate, but, um, this is so such an interactive kind of a, kind of a thing going on. And I was really, really fascinated. And I said, Hey, what's that? And my mom said, Oh, that's tango. And I went back to drawing after the, you know, the, the very short clip ended. And I, I remember distinctly thinking to myself, okay, if my parents ever make me dance, that's what I'm going to do. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, they never asked me to do ballet or anything else. But, but it did form an impression because to this day, I, I remember um, what I saw. And so that was you know, sort of started the planted the, the seed in my head about, about tango. And then uh, I remember uh, when I was 10 years old, fast forward, uh, I was in the fifth grade here in the U.S. And uh, there was a, a school assembly and they said, oh, well, they're going to bring two people out to, to show us some partner dancing. And so they came out and they did some dancing and then they said, okay, well, now we're going to do a tango. And then I immediately perked up a little bit thinking, wow, this, they're going to, you know, I thought I was going to see what I saw on the television with that, you know, fiery passion and that real kind of raw connection. And I was looking forward, but then it was ballroom tango. 
and it did not look mm. like yeah and i thought oh my that's that's not what i saw that's not tango and <laughs> it was incredibly disappointed yeah and then um yeah, but then I just still, again, every once in a while, I'd hear tango music someplace, and I'd think of that image. And then it wasn't until I was in my 20s, um, shortly before I dropped out of grad school, when I uh, took a tango class, an Argentine tango class, uh, and it was uh, a horrible experience. <laughs> I had a very rather awful teacher, but there was something about it that, that caught my attention. And then when I... Um, finally dropped out of grad school without telling my parents and moved to New York City, I uh, decided to give tango dancing another try because I thought in New York, they must, they got every, everything here. So rather than going to my job and coming home afterwards just to watch television, I decided to try a tango class. And yeah, it was incredibly difficult for me, but it was so fun. And I quickly found myself down dancing every night, almost every night until about three in the morning. Got to the point where my boss pulled me aside one day and noticed my bloodshot eyes and said, Joe, are you on drugs? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm just tango dancing. Yeah. But so, yeah. So it's a really, yeah. yeah. It's a really common story that people get completely mm-hmm. addicted. Yeah. And, um, you know, a friend of mine who has bipolar disorder mm. has stopped dancing because um, she says that the, it, the emotional highs and lows are so intense oh, um, that it, that she can't psychologically. She is unable to. She is not equipped to deal wow. with it. And I think that I do think that there are some special qualities in the dance mm. that lead to that. Yeah. And I'm actually going to I'm going to read a little piece which is a description of mm. dancing from my mm-hmm. book. So I'm going to intersperse some extracts from my book in here because I think it's quite quite fun to, might be quite fun to hear me yeah, reading. Yeah, <laughs> so this piece is called My Favorite Californian. The partner who I'm describing, uh, whose name is Alexei Barsky, I'm going to give him a shout out here, as I think uh, possibly some of my tango friends will listen to this podcast, although I think most of them don't usually listen to this podcast. I don't have much overlap between political mm-hmm. followers and people who follow my tango writings, um, but this might be the one moment of merging. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is for you, Alexei, um, my favorite Californian. Some men have an embrace which feels so feather-light so meltingly, butterly soft that you feel barely touched physically and yet completely and securely blissful in their arms. Some men lead with a gentle clarity which is so subtle you find yourself honing your listening skills like someone leaning in toward a friend about to confide a secret in a whisper. Some men make me want to let my free foot swirl and stipple in light, small, perhaps imperceptible motions, keeping me immersed in the music, but not in any way adding to the joint interpretation, just fitting into the pauses in our movements, the way de Sarli's piano fills the spaces between melodic phrases. A lacy fringe, a light, foamy wake as I sail along, streamers trailing after a kite, Fingertips lightly brushing a banister as I trip down a spiral staircase. Not to hold on to for balance. Just touched for the pleasure of sliding my hands along the burnished wood. 
Some men give me a sensation of utter contentment. There's no longing to it, no frustration, no wish for anything beyond that moment, no anxiety to communicate anything, no need to capture and express, a floating, swirling, gliding, effortless riding of the music as if on ascending thermals, as if this desarly were all I needed. This, and the almost ethereal sensation of moving together, hovering electrons duetting, tiny clouds in this fog-cloud city. And I feel dissolved in pure sound and motion. And I want to stay quiet and ride that wave, capture that sensation, so rare, so fleeting, so gossamery light. I want to cross through without breaking the threads of spider silk, without unweaving the rainbow. And I especially love each pause, each suspension, each hesitation. It's the airy spaces, the brief somatic stilt silences, the way things seem to blur from consciousness. My hips, the other couples in the room, the whir of anxiety in my mind. Those are the therapeutic disappearances, the blessed forgettings, the healing gaps that let the light in. Some dancers make me feel that way. Not many, but at least one here in a handsome black man's powerful, brash and violent land, far across the country, three hours and 2,500 miles away, in a drier, crisper, sparser air beside a colder sea. And that is worth remembering and documenting, my friends. Good night from Miami. Uh, so I wrote that during the Obama administration, hence the reference to the handsome black man's powerful mm -hmm. land. <laughs> um, so just to give people a sense of the kind of intensity of feeling that it can provoke. Um, and I think there are a few elements mm. to that, right? Um, and the first is the, is yes. the embrace. Yeah. That embrace when, when you start getting some tango experience and then when you're, when you're, you get that close to somebody, it's, uh, gosh, well, from my own experience, I remember at first it was, you know, because here in America, we have this, these personal space issues. But then when you're, when you're there and then when you start moving in, in somewhat synchronization with another person, it's um, – I guess there's some kind of a, a, a primal thing that goes on that this is, a, this is a connection that we were, in a sense, as humans designed for. And you feel – for me, and perhaps I think to others – listening or who may be familiar with tango, uh, you will feel the sense of, I would say familiarity. Because like you said, it's a hug. It is this embrace. But then when you're moving to music, walking with somebody with this hug, there is this connection, this conversation that, that happens. I think you know, on the surface, some people think of the sensual connection as, um, oh, that's just too intimate and too sexy. But I, I think it goes – it goes, there's a little bit more substance to it than that. There's a more sophistication to that. Like I said, this, you start to, to really communicate in a way that you don't really communicate on, the, on a day-to-day -day basis, but in a way that is very familiar somehow um, on a primal level, if that, if that makes sense. Yes. I mean, what's quite amazing in a way is that we, when we go out to dance socially in tango, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we dance socially at these events, which are called milongas. Mm -hmm. um, and the milonga is basically a social dance evening occasion. Mm -hmm. So um, what happens is that um, 
you go to a um, a bar or in in the states they often have them at dance studios, which can be a little bit lacking in atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, the venues are usually custom made, so they're places where, in some cases, places where people have been dancing tango since the nineteen thirties mm-hmm. or even earlier. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so um, you go to the venue and you're. Um, you're seated around the room. And at the more traditional malongas, men and women are seated separately. Mm-hmm. Men on one side of the room and women on the other. <laughs> the idea is that they don't want you to be chatting and flirting. They want mm-hmm. to encourage you to dance as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So they separate the men and women. So you have a, in order to kind of get together with someone of the opposite sex, you have to <laughs> have to <laughs> dance. Yeah. Nowadays, there are also um, quite a few malongas where it's, perfectly okay to dance with someone of your own sex Mm -hmm. or of whatever indeterminate sex they might be. But uh, so I'm just talking about the very traditional malongas. Mm -hmm. So you sit across the room from each other. And in order to invite each other to dance, we do this thing, which we call it, we call this practice Mirada Cabeceo. Mirada means look and Cabeceo means head movement. And we generally don't invite people to dance verbally. What, we, what you do is you look across the room and you find a person that you would like to dance with. Maybe you've danced with him before or you've seen him or her dancing and you think he looks like a great dancer or he looks like he would be fun to dance with. So mm-hmm. you try to catch that person's eye. And if they want to dance with you, they will catch your eye as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little kind of mime you do, like a little sort of, it can be just a little inclination of the head, raising of the eyebrows, mm-hmm. nodding, yep. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various methods, but it needs to be not too subtle. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Can't be just a kind of bashful little glance or a glimpse or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make a clear enough gesture that from across the room, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the man will come and pick the woman up from her seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you will go out onto the floor to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always dance for um, at least three songs at a time. Each song is about two and a half or to three minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we dance for, actually here in Buenos Aires, almost always for four songs. Mm-hmm. And in some places they dance for three songs at a time. So you're dancing for between... 10 to 12 minutes with the same person. And this may be somebody you have never danced with before because the dance is led and followed and there are codes and conventions for how we move in the dance. Mm-hmm. It's You don't have to have danced with them before to be able to dance together. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody who's danced any partner dance is kind of familiar with that. You know, in salsa and other dances too, you, mm-hmm. can, you can usually dance with anybody. Mm-hmm. But you've never... You've maybe never met this person before. And the first thing you do before you begin dancing is you put your arms around each other. Your upper bodies are touching mm-hmm. at chest level yep. and your whole, your faces are very close together or possibly touching mm-hmm. a little bit at the cheek usually. Um, and your arm is around their waist or around the shoulder and you're holding hands on the other side. And it's like you're in this very intimate hug. So Mm -hmm. basically, you make eye contact with a stranger from across the room Mm -hmm. and you get up and you hug them. And you hug them with the same sort of 
the same sort of gesture and the same warmth, mm -hmm. especially here in Buenos Aires, people are very, they do not take kindly to it if you don't hug with warmth. Mm -hmm. With the same warmth and feeling that you might hug a friend or a lover. And in fact, one, one of my friends once said to me that he, at the, he realized that after, at the Malonga every night, he hugged strange women more tenderly than he had ever hugged his own mother, wow. which was yeah. really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And that feeling, the hug, I think is what is probably the number one thing that people find so addictive. Mm -hmm. It just feels, obviously, if you hate the person or if they're a very awkward dancer, some people are uncomfortable, they squeeze you too tightly, they hold you wrong. <laughs> yeah. It does mm -hmm. make it more difficult to dance with just anybody. Mm -hmm. um, because the hug is quite intimate um, and it makes it technically more difficult to dance. That's right. Because you're so close yeah. together that you really have to coordinate your movements well. Whereas in mm -hmm. other dances where you just hold hands as your main point of contact, like in swing, lindy hop, salsa, etc., mm -hmm. yeah. it's easier. You have more freedom of movement. In tango, you have to move together or it's not going to work. It's going to be absolutely excruciating. Right. Yeah. Um, so it adds a level of difficulty, but the kind of sensation, um, it's, it's, you know, all those good hormones. Um, mm -hmm. My friend Janice Wang has actually done, um, hello Janice, has actually mm -hmm. done research on um, the hormonal effects of dancing tango. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a neuroscientist. Yeah. Um, and... Um, uh, tango increase, increases, um, well, it definitely increases oxytocin. It also increases, it increases testosterone and it decreases um, cortisol for both men mm -hmm. and women. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very, it's a really pleasant, pleasant um, sensation and good sensation. Mm -hmm. And it needn't be sexual, of course. You could dance right. with someone older, younger, People in Buenos Aires very often dance with family. You very often see fathers and daughters, mothers and sons mm -hmm. dancing together. You know, there are many different ways of hugging somebody warmly. Mm -hmm. And it can also have this romantic, sexual kind of feeling mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you said about the um, that Mirada Cabasil. It's... It's very functional and it's also quite practical. I mean, this is a dance that's uh, it's, it's popular. There are communities in er almost every major city in the world. And you can go to a country and dance tango, not speak the language there, and they will understand this code. And I, I found that to be very helpful in my travels. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's amazingly efficient if the Malonga, if you're in a big and crowded room, mm -hmm. if everybody had to walk around asking people it, it you know it would take ages right um, and and of course if you ask somebody you don't know if they want to dance with you yet or mm -hmm. not so the right. advantage is the man the woman both make eye contact and we mm -hmm. both ask each other mm -hmm. by by looking and doing the gestures right it's not one person asks the other person. Right. right. Yes, I own, um, so I own a really quick. Uh, it might be yeah. kind of it might be sort of amusing if you were to to tell the audience or our listening audience how how does one reject a, a request for a dance? So if somebody is if I catch some 
if I don't want to dance with someone, mm-hmm. the easiest way is to just not look at the person. <laughs> yep. Um, and um, there are a few other things. For example, of course, sometimes it's rude, you know, not not to look at somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so sometimes people will look and they will wave and mouth hello. Mm-hmm. And what that signals is... I acknowledge you as a human being. Mm-hmm. I just want to say hello. I have seen you, you know, but I don't actually want to dance with you mm-hmm. or I don't want to dance with you right now mm-hmm. because people in tango usually have, could have a dozen or more partners over the course of an evening. Mm-hmm. So um, you may you may decide you want to dance with that person later in the evening, or you may want to dance with them to different to a different orchestra. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the music um, a little later. Um, or you may want to dance with them. Um, you may want to dance with somebody else who you know will leave early before they leave, etc. So um, when you say no to somebody, it's not necessarily a no forever. It's just mm-hmm. for this particular set, yeah. I don't want to dance with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if you've accidentally made eye contact with the person, but you don't want to dance with them, mm-hmm. you can just look away. Right. Um, that's another option mm-hmm. for both men and women. And it's it gives you plausible deniability. Exactly, it's yes. one of the advantages <laughs> of this of this system. But it is a huge, huge controversy in tango mm-hmm. um, whether how choosy you should be in your choice of partners, whether you mm. should dance with everybody, mm-hmm. um, whether it's really unfair to pick and choose. Um, and then some people who are not very good dancers end up sitting a lot and not getting chosen. Um, and, you know, it is a little unfair, but I think it's unavoidable because the dance really is quite intimate and quite physically unpleasant if you don't, if you can't make it work right. well together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I do empathize. Sometimes, you know, you can't, force it in tango people are quite ferocious about their freedom of choice mm-hmm. so sometimes you do have the experience and it's an awful experience where you go to the malonga and you sit there for hours and hours right. and the music is playing and you're longing to dance and no one will dance mm-hmm. with you and that is just a horrible experience mm-hmm. which is why tango has this tremendous these tremendous emotional ups and downs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are also you know strategies as some people have of where to sit at the malanga. Uh, you know, they judge the lighting. <laughs> are they? You know, you want to be someplace where people can see you. Uh, you want to make sure, yeah, you're not always chatting with somebody because when you're chatting with somebody, no one, you know, you're not going to be probably not going to be asked. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I think I might just. Um like read and read a little piece, which is about a uh, kind of emotion, emotionally difficult experiences in tango. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so I think that might help um, illustrate. Mm-hmm. I think I'll read four pieces just a heads up to people over the course mm-hmm. of this podcast. So this will be the second one. And there'll be a couple more intersperses. Something I'd like to read. And when we talk a little bit more about eroticism, mm-hmm. which is probably my most asked question (laughs) is about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And 
I also have a short story, which maybe we'll read at the end. Okay. Um, but I'm just going to read this little little description that I wrote last year when I was teaching tango in India. Mm-hmm. And this is called Emotional Investment and Tango. And this was actually just a diary entry. So it's, in fact, not in the book, but it's, I came back from dancing. I think it was just before I left for India, actually. I came back from dancing and these were the feelings that I was having. And I, Mm. in my drunken and upset and crying (laughs) state, I just spilled Mm. them out. I vomited them, as the Argentines say. They always give you this advice that when you're writing, you should vomit out onto the paper. (laughs) It's a horrible metaphor, but quite vivid. So I vomited this out. All right. (laughs) I'm a highly emotional person. I think many, though certainly far from all, of us who are very committed to the dance are. By that I mean that I feel things with an intensity that even I myself sometimes find exaggerated and overblown. Even as I'm telling myself, this is ridiculous, relax. I can feel my pulse throbbing in my head and my heart rate soaring and those pesky butterflies swirling in my tummy. The cabbage whites of emotional investment. When, however much you want to be indifferent to the outcome of of an event, a friendship, a relationship, a job interview, a date, you cannot. I think this aspect of my personality, which I've always hated and struggled against, does make my experience of dancing more intense, though. This doesn't necessarily make me a better dancer. What I'm feeling within, I may fail to express with my body, since a lot is always lost in that translation from the emotional to the somatic. But it does, I think, mean that I have a more pronounced sense of bliss. But along with bliss... Tango also offers many opportunities to feed your paranoia and your depression, if, like me, you are the kind of person who is rich in those feelings. I'm not talking about the sadness in the music and the lyrics here. I actually find that healing. The most intense pugliases that tell of betrayal, despair and misery in thumping beats and plangent violin solos always hit the spot for me. I feel as though they externalize my own mundane depressions and transform them into art. They give me a reason to be dramatic. They act as an emotional alibi. But tango brings out many of my worst insecurities. A tanda, this is the set of dances, a tanda isn't a romance. And yet sometimes I feel more alone at a crowded milonga in which I'm sitting for hours and everyone else is dancing except me, than I would feel as the one lone diner in a restaurant full of couples bedecked with hearts and echoing to the pop of champagne corks on Valentine's Day. And as anxious as to whether the people in whose arms I am at ease enjoy dancing with me, as I am about making a good first impression on a date. And yes, In Buenos Aires, at least, I've noticed the effect of the passing years on my desirability as a dance partner, just as obviously as I have noticed the lessening of my charms as a woman. I don't feel like anyone's mother, certainly not when I'm dancing with them, but I'm beginning to look as though I were, and that's not helping. Sometimes I feel that tango is likely to just intensify my own sadness. 
Sometimes I don't want to take that risk. Not because of the music, which I find strangely uplifting, even at its most melancholy, remorseful, and tragic. In fact, especially at its most tragic. Podesta singing that he's returned to the beloved's house to find that even the old rosebush is dead and all that's left is a tangle of cobwebs and weeds. That makes me happier than the jauntiest Malonga. Malonga is a fast, cheerful um, form of tango music. In fact, I'm not a huge Malonga fan. I don't need that kind of playfulness. I'm a serious person. The Malonga is my beloved's house, the scene of so much past bliss, the focus of so much excitement, of so many familiar thrills. So sometimes I'm afraid to go. I don't want to find the house abandoned, the windows broken and the garden choked with litter. I don't want to find myself sitting, sitting, sitting through many beautiful tenders, as though I had gone to find the old house aglow in the darkness, heard the music and the clink of glasses, seen the shapes of guests outlined against the picture window, and found the door locked and bolted against me. So that's uh, tango at its, the tango experience at its nadir. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, uh, we should talk a little bit about the music. Mm-hmm. And since you are a pianist, um, maybe you should begin by telling us what characterizes the the sound and, and the and the personality of tango music. Wow, that's uh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I was a classically trained pianist, but then when I came to listen to tango music, which was quite different, it's extremely it's passionate and uh, and emotional. I know that sounds really vague, uh, but there is there's a spirit to it, especially when you listen to, to the tangos of between the nineteen say the late twenties between and through the nineteen I would say through the late forties. Uh, there is this very emotional spirit to it that. Uh, yeah, gosh, you know, I, I've been I've been trying to think about this question because I knew you might bring this up, but I still uh, must confess it's kind of hard to put that put that into words. But it's it's emotional. It does have a structure if you want to go the the technical route. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm, I yeah, that's that that makes absolutely no sense. I know to, <laughs> to, to a lot of the, the people listening, but um, yeah, it's for me it's difficult to to. To describe, thank goodness for things like Google and YouTube, where you can get an essence of it by um, by doing a search. Uh, yeah, but I would say there is a longing, a sadness in it that that I don't know. I, I don't necessarily find the music depressing, although it's sad. I, I don't feel depressed when I dance to it. If that, mm, if that, no, uh, not at all. If that makes any yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I agree that it, it, it is not party music. No. Um, there are some more cheerful tangos, mm-hmm. and there is this faster, more playful genre called uh, milonga. Mm-hmm. It's confusing right. because that type of music is called milonga, and the place where we go to dance is also called milonga. Mm-hmm. It's also called a milonga, the dance event. Um, but the style of music, milonga, is faster, more playful. It's danced slightly differently from tango, right. but it's it's not a huge it's not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. People who dance tango also dance milonga, mm-hmm. and we do also have 
tango waltz. Yes. Um, so because we don't have, because tango is improvised, which is one of the couple of things, topics mm-hmm. that I want to cover a little bit later. Yeah. But because tango is improvised and there's no step pattern, mm-hmm. you can dance to either a 4-4 four, four or a 3-4 mm-hmm. music, which is very unusual for a partner dance. Yes. Yeah. Very unusual. So we have, uh, it's called tango waltz, and it's a little bit like, an. I think it's based on Italian waltz. Tango has a lot of mm-hmm. influences from Italian music. Yeah. And that is also generally more upbeat, more cheerful. Mm-hmm. But the tango music has a more melancholic feel. And I would say that a couple of things. One is that um, there is a very characteristic sound because tango is traditionally played by what we call the tango orchestra. Mm-hmm. And the orchestra is a double bass, piano, two violinists, and two bandonians. Mm-hmm. I think in the traditional ones, there are four violinists, four bandonians, mm-hmm. double bass and piano. And the bandonian, which is a, a German instrument, a squeeze box, <laughs> incredibly <laughs> difficult to play because mm-hmm. it has, unlike an accordion, which has a keyboard on one side and buttons mm-hmm. on the other, the bandonian has buttons on both sides mm-hmm. and they are not in scale order. So when you play the piano, you go A, B, C, well, C, D, E, F, G, A, etc. And, you know, C is next to D is next to E, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. On the bandonian, no. They are in a completely random order. It's a different order on the right and on the left side. Mm -hmm. And they also, some buttons make a different, sound a different note when you're um, bringing the squeeze box in together Mm -hmm. as when you're pulling it apart. Mm -hmm. And others don't. So it's just a complete, utter fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a beautiful, beautiful sound. Oh, my gosh. But the sound, yeah. it's a, mm-hmm. So the sound is very distinctive, and I will put a link mm-hmm. in the show notes. And I'll put a link to a, um, a famous bandonianist so that you can listen specifically to that, mm-hmm. those who are interested. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, it has this kind of plangent. It has this plangent note. Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and it's got a very distinctive kind of, it's got almost a sound like breathing. So yeah. you, you, can, you can hear some of the breath going in and out of the bellows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that sound combined with violin and piano, that is the, that is the characteristic sound of tango. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, I would say about three quarters of the tangos we dance to are sung. So you also have a singer, mm-hmm. usually a male singer, baritone. And they have really beautiful lyrics. So the lyrics are a whole another thing. I don't know if we'll have time to get into that, but the lyrics yeah. are extremely poetic. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very witty and clever. Some of them are very moving. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are a whole entire little stories that you can follow mm-hmm. along as you're dancing. Yeah. And it is most dance music is quite simple music because so most partner dance music ballet can be quite comp i mean ballet is dance to mm-hmm. classical music which is obviously very complex mm-hmm. there is a kind of optimum level of complexity when it comes to improvised dance mm-hmm. so pop music is too boring mm-hmm. uh, it's too repetitive so you don't feel inspired mm-hmm. you've got no reason to do one movement rather than another mm-hmm. 
Um, but classical music is too complex. Yeah, you know, exactly. You've got to improvise together. It's too difficult to tell what's coming unless you know the mm-hmm. music incredibly well. And tango music hits this kind of sweet spot yeah. in the center mm-hmm. in that it is, in a sense, it's popular music, but it's more sophisticated than most popular yeah. genres. It's, there's, there isn't one set underlying rhythm underneath, like there is in, say, in salsa or in, um, I don't know, in in waltz, for example, Mm -hmm. one, two, three, one, two, three. Sure, in tango waltz, yes, but in tango, no, there's no set underlying rhythm. Mm -hmm. And there are usually a couple of melodies. So there are usually two, at least two melodies happening at once. So main melody and then a different counter melody. Mm -hmm. And the melodies can be meandering and quite operatic in feel Mm -hmm. there's a lot of influence in it from italian opera Mm -hmm. so it's it's a much richer more sophisticated music than one can usually dance to in a partner dance and that is also part of the part of the challenge of dancing tango at first Mm -hmm. i think beginners often find it hard to even find the beat just the basic beat Mm -hmm. because the music is really complex and the beat is there, but there's no percussion instrument in tango. Mm. So there's no drummer giving right. you the beat. Right. Yeah. And once once you're used to it, it's very, very clear and easy to find find the beat. Right. But at the beginning, you're not when you dance to the beat of a rock song mm. or pop music or something that people are used to dancing to, just a booging to, you mm. know. Um, the beat is really strong. Yeah. And there's not that much else going on. Whereas in tango, there's like violin is doing a solo and the bandonians are playing some other melody mm-hmm. down here and the singer is doing this. And you're like, it all works. Where, yeah. where is the, where is the yeah. beat? I mean, if you're not, a, if you're not a trained dancer, mm-hmm. a trained musician, and you're just starting yeah. out, it's challenging, but it's so rich mm-hmm. and, and very, very varied. Mm-hmm. So you don't get sick of hearing that music. Right. right. Um, yeah, and then I think one person described it to me, uh, said, oh, well, imagine if classical and jazz had a baby. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but, there, but like you said, there, the, the music, it has this, um, it, it has this breath, it, it kind of breathes. And if you're dancing to a live band, there's this level of interaction between dancers and the live tango orchestra that's really fascinating. It's almost like another dance partner that's with you. Uh, you know, the, some, the, like you said, with the rhythm, it, there is a rhythm, but sometimes it varies ever so slightly. Sometimes the, uh, the orchestra will slow things down or speed things up just a little bit. Sometimes they do it just to see if you're paying attention to, to listening. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there is this, yeah, there is this real interesting interaction. Whereas if you're at a concert, you're sitting and you're listening, it's, it's a little bit more passive where this is really, really active in terms of the participation when you're dancing to a live, to a live group. Yeah. I think, um, talking about participation, mm-hmm. um, I think we should talk a little bit about the idea of leading and following and the different roles mm-hmm. in the dance. And I think one of the, one of the most common misconceptions that I hear from people when people who are not accustomed to watching dance when they see mm-hmm. tango is that they think that it was choreographed or yes. practiced or there are set mm-hmm. figures because they see dancers, skilled dancers, look very, very mm-hmm. together. 
and very precisely with the music and with each other. And this can be the case even with a couple who have, even in some cases with couples who've never danced with each other Mm -hmm. before. So some people have done performances completely cold, i.e. their first time of dancing with each other was when they stepped onto the floor to give a performance. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, sometimes you find yourself dancing to music that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the performance that I will link to with my partner, Manish, uh, Manish Darmani, who I was my my favorite person to dance with when I was living in India. Mm-hmm. We are improvising in performance and he had never heard the song before until we were in the Uber on the way to the <laughs> venue. We were planning to dance to something else, in fact. And mm-hmm. whilst we were there in the Uber, I remembered this song and I thought, God, I really love that song and I've always wanted to dance to it. So we listened to it two or three times, I think, in the Uber <laughs> on the, <laughs> on like the, um, in the car, on the car stereo or plugging in our, my iPhone to the mm-hmm. car stereo thing. And, um, and then we dance to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to know the music off by heart or know your partner. And that's partly because music is predictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a good way, music kind of it's kind of communicative. It, you know, you get a sense of where it's going, what's going to happen. And it's also because of the lead and follow that because you are, partly because you hold each other so close, it's really easy to feel mm-hmm. each other's movements and also to feel like those little preparatory movements that happen in the body when you're about to do something. Mm-hmm. In tango, um, because you are so touching so closely, you can feel those movements and respond. Yeah. So it looks as if you magically both moved at the same time. Mm-hmm. But in fact, what happens is you feel the other person's movement and you respond to it. Yeah. And mostly it's the man leading the movement. The man is kind of giving the, deciding the steps. That, right, starting the, chor- the choreography, right. A choreography, not in the sense of a planned choreography, but in the sense of the step vocabulary that he wants to use at that Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. But there are quite a lot of opportunities for the woman to also have input. Mm -hmm. So there are many moments at which the man begins a movement and then it's the woman who kind of completes the movement. Yes. And so she can decide when to complete it, i.e. she can speed up or slow down the the way the movement ends. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of moments where you can add decorations. They're called, mm-hmm. we call them more adornos, mm-hmm. um, mostly for the woman or it can be for both people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see a lot of these in the videos. I'm referring to the one of myself with Manish, not just out of kind of pure narcissism, although <laughs> you probably already think I'm this narcissistic dickhead by now, by this point in the podcast, <laughs> but because... Of course, I know that I, you know, I, I, I know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's one point you can hear a triplet boom, 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 boom mm-hmm. in the music, and then it's repeated again, boom, 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 and you will see that what I do is Manish has led me to a place where I'm, I'm like standing by one. One of his legs is kind of sticking out. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I rub my foot up his leg mm-hmm. in time. So I go chit, 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 chit with my foot mm-hmm. up his trouser leg in time to this boom, 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 boom. And because I did that and Manish knew that another boom, 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 boom was coming, mm-hmm. he led me so I was round facing the other leg. Mm-hmm. 
so that I could do the same thing to his other leg. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a kind of a kind of dialogue. Yes. You know, that yeah. was something I did mm-hmm. of my own accord. And then when he when I did it, it was a surprise to him, but he was like, okay, this was a good idea. Let's mm-hmm. do it on the other side as well. So yeah. he put me in a position where I was re- could do it on the other side mm-hmm. too. But he didn't make me do it, suggest it, lead it or anything else. Right. Um, it was a decision on my part. So there's a little bit of joint to and fro, mm-hmm. but mostly it is it is led and followed. Right. So the, um, But you have a lot of opportunities as a woman mm-hmm. to play with timings of how you do things mm-hmm. and also the kind of style in which you do them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can make it your own. So yeah. it feels and looks different. Right. Yeah. And then with the terms lead and follow, I think that we should make clear that, you know, when the, when the woman or whoever it is that's following, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean obeying. It's not a, you know, a yes, dear kind of a situation. It's very much teamwork, I would say. Uh, you know, like you said, like the, the leader, puts the steps into motion because someone's got to, to start it. And the follower really brings out, as you said, the artistry of, of, the, of the movements. So it's, it's very much, uh, I would say, a, an equal teamwork, team effort. I often tell couples Absolutely. who kind of, yeah, who tease each other. Oh, you know, when I had as a wife, who says, oh, great. I got to listen to my husband. It's like, well, yes, it's his job to make you look good but he can't look good unless you let him lead. So, you know, the leading is all, yeah. the fall is, is the, the priority is, is on making the follower look good. The follower's got to trust the leader to, to lead <laughs> in a sense. I, th- I feel like both partners need to look good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, um, one thing that is, I think a kind of misunderstanding mm-hmm. that, some people have when they are new to the dance. So it may be a misunderstanding that non-dancers have mm-hmm. as well. So it might be good to yeah. clarify is that leading is not making the other person do things. It's not exactly. physically moving them. It's not pushing them, pulling mm-hmm. them or anything yeah, like yeah. that. What is happening is the leader is dancing his mm-hmm. dance um, and the follower is responding. The dance's designs such that her movements fit together with his movement. So, and, and it's following is not, it's not kind of like a choice. It's more mm-hmm. intuitive. It's like the, it's as if the, um, you are water flowing mm-hmm. and the leader is changing the topography. Mm-hmm. So now you're flowing downhill. Now you're pooling here, um, mm-hmm. et cetera. Actually, that metaphor doesn't work too well because you can't flow back <laughs> uphill again, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, but it's not, there's no, there's no force exerted right. at all. It's really that when the, it's like, you know, we know when you're, um, for non-dancers, this might be a, a good analogy. You know, when you're at the disco, I don't know if you boogie with people at the disco and you know how sometimes you see, um, the two people are boogieing at each other, <laughs> like, like facing mm-hmm. each other, each boogieing. And um, I don't know if people still say boogieing anymore. Um, maybe this is, maybe I'm just old, but um, then the guy starts, you know, kind of slowly walking towards the woman, mm-hmm. boogieing. Mm-hmm. And most people, if you walk towards them boogieing, they will start walking backwards mm-hmm. boogieing. 
keeping like the distance between you the same. And then at some point you might swap. The woman starts walking towards him and he's walking mm. backwards a little bit while boogieing. Um, this is a really intuitive thing that people do, non, non-dancers as well. Um, because if somebody is starting to walk towards you, you're not going to just let them (laughs) crash into you, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of playful. It's like I'm walking at you, you're like escaping a little bit. It's got a kind of, and then I'm chasing Mm -hmm. you, you're escaping. It's got this sort of flirtatious feel. And that is the principle of leading and following right there. That's what leading and following is about. It's a little more complex and more difficult when you're actually Mm -hmm. touching bodies and there are more kind of movement possibilities going on, but that is basically what leading and following is. Nothing to do with force or um, mm-hmm. coercion. And we should say that, of course, nowadays, women can lead women, women can lead men, mm-hmm. men can yeah. lead men, etc. Yeah. It's It's all good. <laughs> the other thing that I want to talk about a little bit is, and which a lot of people have asked me about, is... Um, sexuality and Mm -hmm. tango Mm -hmm. and um, I'm going to read a piece that I wrote about Mm -hmm. it and then maybe I can get your your reactions and feelings all right so this piece is about my old dance partner who I worked with um, professionally who I practiced with um, and studied with and who at this point um, was in a relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, with another dancer, but they uh, danced with each other socially, but I practiced with him a lot. So this Mm -hmm. is, we would dance together at what's called a practica. The practica is a place where you go to hone your tango. So it's Mm -hmm. rather than going out to dance socially, your primary aim there is learning, practicing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you'll hear the word practica and also tanda, which is the set of three or four, here in Buenos Aires, four dances that we always dance at once. And cabaseo, which is this head gesture that you make, the Murada cabaseo, that's the way we invite each other with eye contact and head gesture across the room. And I think also hero, which is a form of a way of turning around a shared axis, Mm -hmm. which is a move in, in tango. So just to clarify the vocabulary before I begin. So the, this, this is called Dancing with My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. <laughs> As usual, he dances many tandas with me, most of the tandas with me, at this informal practica where we regularly practice. He glances over from time to time in the direction of his girlfriend's chair. She's a very popular partner and is usually dancing with some of the best leaders in the place. Having done a quick check to make sure she is enjoying herself, he turns back to me and we continue trying to improve our hero. If it turns out that she's not having a good night tonight, for some reason they're not asking her, we part amicably and he goes over to dance with her. It's not gentlemanly to leave your girlfriend sitting miserably while you dance tanda after tanda. On other occasions when I'm not dancing, I seek her out and sit with her. She has a calm, reassuring presence that makes you feel instantly comfortable. Tonight, it's the last tander. Do you want to dance with him? I ask. No, no, go ahead, she says, and instantly starts scouring the room with her eyes, soon catching a twinkly, cocked-headed cabaseo. 
I spent most of my adult life in long-term relationships, and my boyfriends have always had their own connections with others. Their tennis opponents, their drinking buddies, their female best friends, their pianist accompanists, their favorite dance partners. So I don't feel guilty at all that right now, when I happen to be single, I dance with so many other women's boyfriends, husbands, and lovers. Tango is a way of communicating with, collaborating with someone else. But is it really more intimate, more sexual than other ways? Such as playing sport, making music, having heated debates, co-authoring a book. Because it is by nature a coupled activity. And because it involves physical contact. Perhaps to some degree but not so much that it makes sense to shut out others, to try to corral and control and restrict your partner. Unless you both agree that you only want to dance with each other, a rare occurrence in my experience. The tango embrace is a very unusual thing. It mimics the appearance of real-life affection. Perhaps if you are a very jealous person, you shouldn't watch too closely just as you might not want to watch your actor boyfriend rehearse a love scene. You hold another person close to you for a length of time which would have all kinds of implications outside a dance context. If you gave someone four long consecutive hugs of three minutes each without moving, and they happily let you, well, things would probably get pretty steamy quite speedily, unless you have exceptionally snugglable friends. But as always with touch, context and intention are everything. We don't embrace because we are longing to touch each other. We don't dance because we want to snuggle. It feels snuggly at times. It feels sensual. But that's the nature of this dance. It's not personal. Our intention, our wish, is to dance. The focus is not on us, we're not a couple, and we certainly wouldn't hug each other for three minutes at a time in any other situation. Tango is a liminal space between sex and art, but almost always situated deep within art's side of the boundary. Its relationship to the sensual often feels less like raw attraction and more like an allusion to romance. You feel like a student actress reciting Juliet's lines to whoever the director happens to have cast, more than like a happy girlfriend walking hand in hand along the beach with your lover. The sensuality of it, the intimacy, isn't fake, but it isn't real either, which is why I can dance in close embrace with other women with great enjoyment, but I cannot have sex with them which is why a friend of mine guiltlessly dances with his sister, which is why most people are monogamous in their love lives but dance with a wide variety of people at the Malonga. We need the bumper sticker that says, tango dancers do it all night long, changing partners every 15 minutes. Sublimated into art, we can take something which is usually exclusive and without ridding it of all its eroticism, transform it into something which can be widely shared. It's a magical mutation, a midwinter night's dream, a topsy-turvy approach, a land of lavender's blue, lavender's green, if you are king, then I will be queen. I'm not threatened by this when I'm in a couple, and I'm not guilty about it when I'm not. It's subtle, 
hard to explain to non-dancers, but fundamentally both innocent and deeply life-enriching. Yeah, because again, to the untrained eye, Argentine tango has all of the physical markers of sexual interests, of the close contact, the embrace. But uh, once you get into it, it is very much just about that dance, the feeling of that movement of being in your own body and uh, moving with the music and, and focusing on that on that dance. And of course, you know, when I'm dancing with my fiance, that's a little different. You know, some, sometimes there is, you know, there is something a little bit deeper there that's that's closer to the relationship aspect of it. Um, that's more romantic, outward, you know, uh, overtly romantic. Um, but yeah, but you can dance with friends, uh, relatives, and still have that same contact. And it's and it's you know, it doesn't have that that same uh, the same connotations. And then, of course, uh, you know, there's another interesting side of it when you are interested in the person that you're dancing with, and you know, and then you're moving with them in a certain way. There is uh, that flirtation, as uh, as you uh, as you put it before. Mm. Yeah. I th- I think that there is um, plausible deniability <laughs> again. Um, that that is a really good thing that the tango provides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that this liminal space is a very fun place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allows us, assuming that you're dancing with someone who you do find attractive, mm-hmm. it allows us to kind of have that feeling yeah without it having any necessarily having any consequences that you don't want it to have exactly yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) and also without kind of exposing yourself right Um, right. Mm -hmm. you know that it's it's um i feel that in in sex and sexuality um Mm -hmm. particularly americans argentines do not have this issue (laughs) and quite the contrary yeah this is a very very physical and very open culture mm-hmm. and very kind of whorish culture. <laughs> Slutty culture, I have mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff goes down. Yep. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. A lot of people go down. And, um, but I think that there is a tendency to be very paranoid mm-hmm. about what you are feeling towards people. Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, but I have a boyfriend, but I feel this sexual attraction towards this other person, or I'm enjoying being with it, just mm-hmm. the physical sensation of being close to them. Exactly. In addition yeah. to whatever dance mm-hmm. enjoyment you're getting from the dance, the music, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a wonderfully sensual and dance that feels absolutely ex- extraordinary with somebody mm-hmm. you don't find physically attractive at all. Right. That has happened to me many, many times. Mm-hmm. And vice versa also. Somebody really attractive in looks can be a terrible dancer and they are hurting you and making you uncomfortable and they're off the music and you're like, shit. <laughs> I wish I hadn't danced with you and I'm really disappointed. Right, yeah. I mean, all of those combinations can happen, but mm-hmm. also I feel as though feelings are innocent. Mm-hmm. Things that you should feel guilty or worried or about things that you can control. Mm-hmm. You can choose how to behave Mm -hmm. and respond to your feelings. Mm -hmm. But I think it's quite innocent to just enjoy the proximity of another person, Mm -hmm. of your an attractive person of your preferred sex. Mm -hmm. I think that that is quite innocent. And tango gives you that permission. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually a nice nice thing about tango. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because like like you said, in with in Argentina, people are much more open. Here, in the United States, generally speaking, uh, we're a little more repressed. If I could, you know, if, if that if that actor oh describes it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, on the one, I yeah, and then I think you know, tango is is somehow I would say necessary in order to balance that out. It kind of gives you that release. It kind of gives you that opportunity to. Uh, to be close in this way that otherwise would be socially unacceptable in this culture. Uh, so yeah, it just gives you that, yeah, that release. It gives you that, that opportunity to, ah, oh, okay. I, I, genuine human contact. And then when I'm done, I can go back to my repressed life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Mm-hmm. I think just, I'll just mention this topic because mm-hmm. the other thing that people always ask me uh, men always tell me that they are they don't want to dance tango because they're afraid they will get an erection mm-hmm. by dancing. Has that, has this, that ever this, been a Spanish? That happens. Just think of Angela Merkel, the the Chancellor of Germany. Then uh-huh. you'll be fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's. I mean, I think it's quite unusual because you do have to focus a lot when you are dancing. Um, right. So you can't be completely especially if you're leading, mm-hmm. um, you have to focus on initiating the movements, being mm-hmm. with the music and also negotiating the room because the, the, in the dance, we, we don't travel a lot, but we do circulate around the room a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to kind of be careful not to bump into other couples. Right. And I think that it's kind of hard to get an erection unless you can be just sort of mm-hmm. in the moment of the sensuality and you can't, you have too many other things to, mm-hmm. on your mind, right? Right, yeah. Um, and also I was going to say that we we very rarely have groin contact in tango. <laughs> and that's, that's because true. Because the way we hold each other, we're closer mm-hmm. in the upper body than we are mm-hmm. in the lower body. Mm-hmm. And this is for technical reasons in the dance. We have some mm-hmm. space at feet, foot level. Mm-hmm. So we form a little bit of a kind of inverted V shape. It's not extreme, but there's a yeah. little feeling of a tent shape, small mm-hmm. at, a, at a small angle, narrow angle. Right. But mm-hmm. um, where you where you are touching is not below the waist. You're usually touching at the level mm-hmm. of chest, yeah. kind of mid chest. Mm-hmm. So I I suspect that if you had an erection, people wouldn't would probably not notice. Um, no. So it's not, it's not really a huge issue. No, like you said, there's, there's so much concentration involved in the dance that, um, yeah, you, don't, you can only concentrate on so many things at a time. <laughs> so. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's always Angela Merkel. Right, if you, to, to help you. If, uh, as, if you need that. As I don't think resort. she's that bad. Come no, on. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> That was a horrible thing to say. I actually think Elizabeth Warren looks quite hot, considering she's like seventy. Mm. Um, talking of politicians, anyway, your <laughs> your least favorite. Find your least favorite politician. Yeah, or, or you know, think, think of, yeah just think of Donald some. Trump. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, anybody, anybody, uh, Donald Trump in a bikini. There you go. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry we did that to our listeners and planted that image in their heads. Yeah, talk about uh, vomiting, right? So yeah, um, Joe. So uh, mm-hmm. one last topic that I'd like to sure. cover because I know that you work you work with uh, tango therapy and you work with people with, with Parkinson's um, yeah. physical disabilities and also with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how that works and how tango helps is able to help them? Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. So uh, apparently, Argentine tango it 
it really the movements that you do in this dance and tango they really target a lot of the problem areas that people with parkinson's have such as uh take you know they tend to take these really really small steps and that can be dangerous in terms of uh of being prone to falling in argentine tango especially if you're walking backwards as a follower you're taking these nice really long steps backwards so on a, on a practical level, you're doing physically a lot of these movements that are uh, very good for you to, in terms of exercising, you know, if you have Parkinson's. I know a lot of people, when they have Parkinson's or any other condition, uh, the word exercise is not really something they want to hear. Uh, but when you're dancing, that's a much more of an attractive activity than, than getting on a treadmill, for, uh, for example. Mm, yeah. mm. A lot of research has shown that Argentine tango can, uh, it, it can slow the progression of the disease and uh, it helps improve balance. It, uh, there's that social component as well. And uh, yeah, it, there's just so many things that go on uh, with, this, with this dance that help uh, with the quality of life when it comes to, to Parkinson's. So yeah, I, I know some researchers who are working really hard on this and they published some papers that really, you know, they show some of the data that, that they can really point out improvement in people's uh, conditions. I've had some, uh, some of the patients whom I work with, uh, they've had to cut back on their medication, you know, because uh, mm. this has been helping them so much. A lot of them saying, well, their neurologists are really happy with them saying, yeah, we'll keep doing your tango, keep doing what you're doing. So, so it's a very, it, yeah, it has a lot of really healing, healing properties. I'm sure like a lot of the, the your, your contacts whom you've talked to uh, who are either mental health experts or neurologists, uh, just this act of walking with the music and walking in rhythm and that, it releases something in your brain that really heals or that can, you know, it, it, it does a lot of really great things. So there is, so it's not just in our heads. It's not just our imaginations when we feel better, when we dance, there is something medically, uh, physically happening inside your body. That's that tango is, uh, that is releasing and yeah, for a variety of different afflictions, I mean, whether it's depression or, or Parkinson's, yeah, this is a really great dance to get into. Mm, thank you. So I'd like to finish by offering the listeners. Um, it's a it's a little kind of not really long enough to be a short story, more a short little sketch. Mm. So I've written a number of these fictional sketches. And this one is, I'll just give you a little background to it. It's called Paper Moon. And um, the narrator, it's a male narrator, which is why I'm going to ask you to read it, Joe. Joe, mm -hmm. All right. I, he is, I want you to imagine that, that he is a prisoner on a prison ship. Okay. There's a, there are a couple of allusions to specific tango orchestras, tango bands, and also the word tanda again, which is, which is the set of steps. Other than that, I don't think that there are, there, no, I, think, I don't think that there are a lot of other of other, there's a lot of other technical vocabulary. Oh yes, there is one cortina, the curtain. So between sets mm -hmm. of tango music, um, tango DJs will play a brief snatch of uh, some non-tango music, which is like a kind of palate cleanser between mm -hmm. sets of tangos, <laughs> and it marks the end of your of that set. So it marks the moment when you um, will go back to your seat and will leave your partner. 
Mm-hmm. So it marks the end of your dancing with that partner for that moment. Um, so I think that's all you need to do, need to know. And um, I'm going to let you read that, Joe. Okay. Well, I hope I capture the essence of your of your piece here. So, all right. You ready? Yep. Paper Moon, a fiction. Lomuto with Omar, I ordered. Orquesa Francisco Lomuto, singer Jorge Omar, the silky voice parroted. Lossy as usual? Oh, yes. What the hell? Give me lots of crackle. Years? You choose. I told it, and the words float in front of me on the air like a hallucination. Selecting a tanda. I wondered what it must have been like in the old days when a pot-bellied, shiny-pated man sat in a dimly lit eerie in front of a nippled console, the light from an ancient computer screen illuminating his serious face, reflecting off twin earpieces, round and shiny as the eyes of a fruit fly. When, instead of letting Malena analyze BPM, tonal color, use of orchestration, mood and lyrics, and select the ideal combination of tracks, Some semi-drunk down their fourth beer and put tracks together at random. When, instead of taking readings of the dancer's pulse rates, hormonal levels, and neural activity, some skinny geek boy surveyed the floor and tried to guess that the energy levels were low and that people needed Darienzo Tanda to get them up and moving. I bent down and retied a shoelace, which was already perfectly adjusted. After all these years, this still made me feel a little self-conscious, but now the opening bars were sounding and I heard the familiar insistent stompiness of the introduction, the buzzy accompaniment like a skeptical humming, a murmur of disagreement, the sweetness of the violins punctuated by the lightest ripples on the piano, the bubbliness of bandoneons. And there, sitting across the room, I spotted her the companion of my own nightly nostalgias, my fellow time traveler. I feel just as I did at primary school when we bounced and rolled around on the giant gridmark trampoline while a hologram of a man in a strange metal chair, squashed ugly face held upright by two padded black headrests, gray-blue eyes wide and playful behind round glasses, talked of black holes in a slurred voice. I have forgotten all the physics I learned at school, but I remember this. The joy of grabbing handfuls of the shiny stuff, of that hammock of space-time, and twisting and folding and rolling it into, into tubes. And I wanted to do that now, to burrow through like a hamster, to wriggle out into another era when a G-type star was still burning hydrogen in a nearby galaxy, when men with otter sleek hair and pencil mustaches danced with women in silky skirts and strappy heels, when I still lived on the orbital, when it hadn't yet happened, before everything changed for me. She felt so alive in my embrace, the smoothness of her cheek against mine, the ticklishness of fine hair against my skin, the face snuggled against mine, the skin of her back damp beneath my fingers. I paused, waiting to begin the dance, and I felt her free foot sliding playfully up her standing leg just as a violinist's invisible bow traversed a string, as if it were the friction of her suede sandal strap against her skin that was producing the sound. 
And then I pushed the floor away from my standing foot like a diver bouncing off the high board and took that first sidestep of the dance, plunging in. She was encircling me, letting her hand reach deep over my shoulder and her body press firmly against mine, arousing a hundred memories of friends hugging me warmly, of letting me feel through muscle and fat and matter their affection, their regret, their sorrow, their commiseration. Her right hand curled around mine like a lover's, like a mother guiding a child. But I knew that the intention was different. This was the ravenous but unselfconscious physicality of a child on a climbing frame, of a dog snuffling up the sense of a stranger. It was an eager desire to listen, to trace the raised dots of the body's braille. It was not cuddles, but communication. It was a game of let's pretend to two of us life-size dolls, Ken and Barbie, for the quantum tunneling age, a game played with the fierce-eyed earnestness of children. We were like twin scholars in an ancient archive in some primitive civilization in which verbal expression still took a physical form, in which thoughts were embodied and recorded by fingers dancing over soft black keys like the hands of a silent pianist. When the letters appeared one after another like notes, Ds like minims, Os like semi-briefs, full stops like the dots of jaunty syncopations, unheard melodies of thought, the music unfolded tightly structured like a poem. Its repetitions were like rhymes, its harmonies like layers of double meaning, its counterpoints like contradictory readings. And as we read, we commented, we criticized. Listen, she seemed to tell me, that word there, it reminds me of the synonyms. It's rich with, these, with those associations. It's reminiscent of these contexts. It ties in with this earlier line, a contrast with that meaning. It was a somatic practical criticism, a close reading in close embrace. We interjected, we pointed out, we demonstrated, we annotated, we scribbled in the margins of that library book, we circled, we underlined, we highlighted, we vandalized, we dog-eared. And I loved our reading more than the original poem. The author was dead, and we were dancing around his grave, picking up the dead roses of youth to make a potpourri. But now, all too soon, the cortina was sounding. It wouldn't be make-believe if you believed in me, the singer crooned. Ha ha, very funny, I told Malena. You have ten seconds, it told me, and I shut my eyes. I did want to see everything fading, growing two-dimensional, turning black and white. I dislike the shadows, the afterglow, the halo effects like the early symptoms of a migraine, symptoms of this continued sickly migraine which we call neural reality. The music faded out and fell silent. You have used up your supply of ivy and sueños for this rotation, Malena informed me. I wriggled a little against the slippery buttocks hollows of the armchair and glanced around the rec room at the others waking groggily with disappointed frowns or lingering smiles from their respective solitary dreams. I'm sorry, it said. I can give you audio only. I got up heavily, then sat down again. The soft black suede shoes were still on my feet. With a tug, I untangled the bunny ears of a lace. Prisoners must now return to their duties, the words flashed on the ground in front of me. Okay, I said. Go ahead play.
Thank you so much. All right. I hope I did that. <laughs> My first time reading it. That was very interesting. <laughs> you did a marvelous <laughs> job. Sorry to spring, uh, spring that on you. Um, no, no, not at all. I always like a challenge. Is there anything that you feel that we should just emphasize before we let people go? So what is a re... What, uh, if someone were to ask you, uh, Iona, why should I take tango lessons? How would you answer that question? Mm, that's a really good question. And it would depend on who the person was and their mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So I think there are people to whom I wouldn't advise taking tango, learning tango. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this would be less to do with um, their potential skill as dancers um, mm -hmm. and more to do with, I think, uh, single older women sometimes have a very bad time in tango mm -hmm. um, because especially outside of Buenos Aires, often there are many more women than men who dance. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So I would advise absolutely any man to dance of any age. Mm -hmm. um, you will be, uh, men usually have a very happy time. And I would advise mm -hmm. any younger woman to dance. For older single women, if you don't have a partner, you're going to find it, you may find it more difficult. So mm -hmm. I would approach that with caution. The one thing that I always hear from people is, I can't dance. I have two left feet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, it's not that you can't dance. It's that you have never attempted to learn. And mm -hmm. like, it's not something that you can do instantly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you wouldn't say, for example, if someone said, why don't you learn to play the piano? You wouldn't say, I can't play the piano. You know, my fingers won't do that thing, <laughs> won't coordinate. Well, of course mm -hmm. they won't, you know, if you've never mm -hmm. learned. Right. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to start, take lessons and mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. Tango is nothing like as difficult as learning to play the piano. And in fact, you know, there are probably many movements that you do on a daily basis, which require a high degree of physical coordination, mm -hmm. uh, typing, for example, or driving a car, especially if you drive a manual, a stick shift, as you yep. guys mm -hmm. call it. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there are many things you do, over, brushing your teeth, there are many things you do over the course of a day that require coordination, cooking, mm -hmm. and you don't even realize it because you are used to doing those things. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say, well, most people don't say, I can't drive a car. You know, I'm right. not going to learn to drive because I can't do it. No, you know you can't do it, and that's because you haven't learned. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you can't tell whether you can do it or not until you have <laughs> attempted to learn. Yeah. And tango does have a, a steeper learning curve than other couples' dances at first. Mm -hmm. You have to be patient at first, but... The thing that makes tango difficult is the close embrace, is how mm -hmm. close you are to your partner when you're dancing. Um, but that is also the thing that it's, is really the nicest thing about it, the thing that mm -hmm. provides the good feelings, mm -hmm. that snuggly, lovely, yeah. delicious feeling. <laughs> so there is no getting around that. That is built into the dance. Yeah. But it's not, you don't require any particular flexibility. You're not going to be doing high kicks or the splits or anything else. <laughs> you don't have to be very athletic. It's a very calm kind of walking mm -hmm. dance. Um, 
here in Buenos Aires, you see a lot of older people, people into their 80s and 90s dancing. You don't have to be young and in great shape. You don't have to be thin. Um, it is a popular dance. It's a dance of the people, mm -hmm. which means that it, it's, yes, it is a little difficult at first, and you do have to take some lessons. And it's going to take you a little while to learn, mm -hmm. but it's not, it is designed such that everybody can dance it. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like ballet or something like that, which is a dance for trained dancers. Right. This is a dance for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, don't dismiss your own ability to dance. Mm -hmm. You think you're clumsy or you can't dance or whatever. A lot of dancers are clumsy off the dance floor. Mm -hmm. You really can't tell whether you can dance or not mm -hmm. until you attempt to dance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, give yeah. it a go. So let's... Um, Let's leave it there. Uh, Joe, where can mm -hmm. people find you and find out more about your work? Yeah. Well, if you want to find out about me and my uh, work in Argentine tango, if you can just head on over to wisconsintango.com. It's all one word. Uh, again, I've had Iona as a guest on my podcast twice already. And uh, that is a tango podcast. You can find that at joetangopodcast.com, all one word. And that will link, that'll take you right to the Wisconsin Tango website where the uh, podcast is. Uh, if you like silly uh, web cartoons, I run a website called sealcomics.com, S E A L comics.com, as in the animals. And uh, you'll find all kinds of um, bizarre humor there if you, if you like. So. That's great. And I will link to all of those in the show notes and I'll link to the episodes that, that I did with you in great. case anybody is, is not already sick of listening to me talk about Tango. You can hear <laughs> more there. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm also going to link into the in the show notes to my book. And there is a, uh, if you are in the UK or uh, if you're in, if you're in the UK or Europe, you can buy it directly from my publisher. Mm -hmm. which I would encourage because then I will get more royalties. Everybody else mm -hmm. will buy it on Amazon and I will put the links in the show notes. And um, if you enjoy the book, please do um, write a, a review on Amazon. In fact, even if you didn't, even if you buy it through the publisher, if you could go to Amazon and write a review, it's mm -hmm. incredibly helpful. It's one of the most helpful things for sales. And it's a small publisher, and I don't think he has found many ways to be able to promote the book. Um, usually, you know, books are promoted mm. more, a bit more thoroughly by their publishers, but I think this has not been very possible in this case. So every bit of extra promotion I can get would be, would be absolutely wonderful. Mm. Um, so if you enjoy my writing, please uh, check out the book and, um, and review it. And thank you so much, Joe. Yeah. And next next week we return to normal podcasting and I believe next epi week's episode is going to be with Nick Christakis. Thank you so much everybody and I also want to thank Justin Ward, my wonderful sound engineer who is the greatest babe in all of Canada <laughs> and who makes these podcasts possible week after week. Thank you Justin and ha have a wonderful week everyone and thank you so much for joining us Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Two for Tea, the accompanying podcast for ARIO magazine. ARIO is a non-partisan political and cultural digital magazine 
with a universal liberal humanist slant. Edited by Helen Pluckrose, with the assistance of sub-editor Yours Truly. At ARIO, we hope to counter the current atmosphere of frenzied partisanship and hysteria with calm, well-reasoned articles and civil discussions. Both ARIO and 2 for Tea are entirely audience-supported. You, our readers and listeners, make these conversations possible. You can support the magazine, the podcast, or both on Patreon. Look for ARIO, A, R, E, O, A for Apple, R for Robert, E for Edward, O for Orange, and 2 for T. All patrons will get access to free monthly patron-only podcasts and other perks. Plus, by becoming a patron, you will keep these platforms alive and flourishing. 2 for T is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and all other podcast subscription sites. If you're listening on a podcast app, Take a moment to hit that subscriber button. Give us a rating. Write us a brief review, even just a couple of words. Spread the news. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.